The port of Hualien was set to welcome its second international cruise ship since COVID on Monday, but inclement weather threw a wrench in the works. The Seven Seas Mariner initially decided to postpone docking at the harbor after facing near-gale winds. But ultimately, the cruise decided to cancel its stop in Hualien. Let's hear it from the port authority. Cruises have more stringent safety requirements, so we respect the decision taken by the ship to not enter the port. We will continue working hard to help cruises come back. It'd be great if the heavens were on our side on this. The Seven Seas Mariner is operated by Region 7 Seas Cruises and is the first all-suite, all-balcony ship in the world. This time around, the vessel was carrying 542 passengers. The vessel had set off from Manila with stops in Hong Kong, Hualien, Geelong and Kaohsiung, before going to south to Halong Bay in Vietnam. The cancellation of its Hualien itinerary has been a big blow to tourist-dependent businesses in Hualien, which are slowly recovering from the pandemic. Chinese Premier Li Chang on Monday was asked about Taiwan ties, to which he responded that the China-Taiwan bond could not be broken. Meanwhile, Chinese leader Xi Jinping once again took a more threatening stance on what he called separatists and foreign forces, saying China would resolutely oppose them. Responding to the latest comments from Beijing, one researcher said that there is nothing new yet on the issue of Taiwan and said Taiwan's government should be on the lookout for ways that Beijing would try to implement its policy on cross-strait ties. In his first press conference since Beijing's two sessions last week, Chinese Premier Li Qiang took the stage with the country's four new vice premiers. Li spoke on cross-strait ties. Compatriots on both sides of the Taiwan Strait are one family. We often say that blood is thicker than water. Even if conflicts emerge, our bond will not be broken. Asked about cross-strait ties, Li departed from China's normal stance of wolf warrior diplomacy, opting instead for soft words. The premier expressed hope that regular cross-strait exchanges would soon resume. We hope that more Taiwanese compatriots will come to the mainland. We not only hope to make them want to come, but also hope they will feel closer to us and enjoy greater development. It's not clear whether Taiwanese would feel convinced by Li's words. Some say Li and Chinese leader Xi Jinping are playing good cop, bad cop. We will persist in following the One China Principle and the 1992 consensus to promote the peaceful development of the cross-strait relationship. We will resolutely oppose any interference by foreign powers and will unswervingly promote the process of reunification of the motherland. She made it clear that pushing for unification with Taiwan remains on the agenda. The issue became the topic of discussion in Taiwan's legislature. Most people in other countries now see Xi as something of an emperor or an autocrat. We're his neighbor. We can't run away. So we need to be very careful in our response to him. Former U.S. State Secretary Mike Pompeo during an interview with the press called Xi the U.S.'s most challenging adversary, as well as the greatest threat the world faces. He is uh, dead-eyed. He is clear. He is serious. But he's now been essentially declared chairman for life uh, and has a lot of scope to, uh, to do the things that he is intent upon, including bring Taiwan into the political fold of China. 
It would seem that for Xi Jinping, the greatest challenge in dealing with Taiwan is what he calls Taiwanese separatism and foreign forces. However, on the whole, the content of Xi's Taiwan policy hasn't changed since the 20th National Congress that was held last fall. What we need to focus on moving forward is what China actually does to try to implement what it calls unification-related exchanges and measures for peaceful unification. With Xi gripping power ever more tightly and his rhetoric on unification with Taiwan growing ever louder, the world is watching developments in the Taiwan Strait closely. The Veterans Affairs Council on Monday held a press conference urging former military personnel to be wary of invitations for events in China. Recently, several veterans associations have tried to recruit former officials to travel across the strait to take part in the 99th anniversary of the Wampo Military Academy. The head of the Mainland Affairs Council has urged people to reflect on how China has been trying to further its unification campaign with Taiwan before accepting such invitations. How can we tolerate taking part in their event when the number of PLA planes and vessels on the waters and in the airspace around Taiwan is not going down? Veterans Affairs Council head Feng Shuquan held a rare press conference on Monday. The motive was that several associations for retired military officials had been recruiting 500 alumni of the Republic of China Military Academy to go to China to take part in the 99th anniversary of the foundation of its predecessor, the Wampua Military Academy. Feng says China's event is a thinly veiled attempt at promoting unification. I find it very inappropriate to try to get attendees via associations. I would like to call on all our retired brothers in arms. Next year will be the 100th anniversary of the founding of the Wampoa Military Academy. So let us all take part in the celebrations here. The ROC flag of the Academy and the Constitution are all in Taiwan. We have the real deal. Going would completely undermine the tradition and spirit of the Wampoa Military Academy. I urge those few former Wampoa Military Academy people to not fall into the trap of CCP's unification propaganda just because they offer hospitality and other small perks. The predecessor of the Republic of China Military Academy, currently headquartered in Kaohsiung's Fengshan District, is the Wampoa Military Academy, founded on June 16, 1924, in what is now Huangpu District in China's Guangzhou City. Then ROC President Sun Yat-sen instructed the academy to be established as a military training center for the ROC. Its first superintendent was Chiang Kai-shek. Now that 99 years have passed and the 100th anniversary is coming up, the Veterans Affairs Council and the Mainland Affairs Council are issuing words of warning. We all know that over the past three years of the pandemic, mainland China has continued to promote unification and integration as well as waging a political war with Taiwan. I think everyone has seen this. So I would like to call on everyone that if you really want to go to mainland China, don't do something that will hurt or anger your fellow compatriots. China continues using all it can to lure over former military officials in hopes of furthering its campaign to annex Taiwan. The DPP has begun accepting registration to run in its primary for next year's presidential election. Vice President Lai Qingde, who is widely expected to run, picked up a registration form on Monday. However, he was not the only one. Chen Jingchang has expressed interest in the election, meaning Lai's nomination is still not set in stone. Other voices in the party say the DPP is focusing on unity and stability within the party to better prepare for the election.
Vice President Lai Qingda on Monday met with a delegation from the Africa-Taiwanese Chambers of Commerce and apologized for President Tsai's absence at the event. President Tsai Ing-wen is very busy today. She's meeting with several foreign delegations. Everyone is very concerned about the situation in the Taiwan Strait, so there has been a number of U.S. and European parliamentarians and other officials visiting Taiwan. The president must meet those delegations, so I apologize. Lai is expected to run in the 2024 presidential election and is now already taking on some of the president's responsibilities. The DPP on Monday began issuing registration forms to party members planning to run in the party's primary. Lai picked up his registration form and is planning to register on Wednesday. Meanwhile, veteran party member Chen Jinchang has also expressed interest in registering his candidacy and has also picked up his form. I'm ready to run. I have 5 million NT for the registration, and if it's enough, I'll register at once. If not enough, then I won't register. Whether Lai will have a contender in the race before registration closes on Friday remains to be seen. Party members at present appear largely in consensus on the election, and Lai is expected to lunch in with members of each faction in the coming days to gather input. With the current atmosphere in the DPP, we are trying to build unity and stability. We will work hard and do anything we can to be more united and stable to better face the various challenges we will encounter in the presidential election. The DPP hopes to nominate someone as soon as possible so it can start working on a campaign. The DPP is now the ruling party and it has had many past achievements. There are also many plans for the future and we will absolutely achieve those plans for the public. We also need to reflect on our past mistakes and must inform the public about what we've done well. If Lai is the only candidate who registers his candidacy, then the DPP's campaign will begin early. If not, the party will go through the primary procedures and announce a nominee on April 12th. Meanwhile, Lai is focusing on national policy, dialogue with youth and party unity. Rising inflation has been putting pressure on workers, but also on retirees. To prevent inflation from eating away the pensions of retired workers, the government has once again launched a mechanism to make pension payouts bigger. The mechanism launches every time the cumulative consumer price index exceeds 5% from the year that the recipient started collecting a pension. Since Taiwan's CPI for 2022 was 2.95%, that means that people who started collecting pensions in 2011, 2012, 2016, 2017, and 2018 will get bigger payouts. The largest pay increase will be more than 7%. All in all, the increases will affect about 660,000 retirees. Taiwan suffered a crushing defeat at the hands of Cuba on Sunday at the World Baseball Classic, losing out on an opportunity to move to the quarterfinals. Though it's the end of the line for Team Taiwan, not all was bad news. Taiwan infielder Yu Chang was named the most valuable player in Pool A with a 438 batting average and a scoring of two home runs. Speaking to reporters after Taiwan's defeat to Cuba, Yu Chang could barely hold back tears. 
after Taiwan was eliminated from the tournament on Sunday, Chang's stellar performance during the games did not go unnoticed. Over the four games, Chang had a .438 batting average, scoring two home runs and eight RBIs. He's been named the most valuable player of Pool A at the World Baseball Classic. It's thanks to the energy from Team Taiwan that I was able to get this accolade. I would like to thank the team. Thank you for your hard work. Let's keep going forward together. Thank you. With his time in the WBC already up, Chang is set to now return to the U.S. to rejoin the Red Sox for spring training. He says he will bring his blessings with him to face any challenges that come up. We all stuck together and did not give up. We cheered each other on, and that's what we need the most. When I'm abroad, nobody cheers me on. It feels very lonely. Though Team Taiwan missed a ticket to play in the quarterfinals in Tokyo, they still had the support from many in Taiwan. President Tsai Ing-wen posted on social media thanking all the heroes of Taiwan, saying that she would always be proud of them. Vice President Lai Qingde said that the team would always be honored by Taiwanese baseball fans. Premier Chen Jianren said that no matter win or lose, the team would always be the pride of Taiwan. And the baseball players were not the only ones catching media attention. On Twitter, MLB writer Matt Monaghan posted a video of Taiwan's latest game, showing the fans cheering. The caption reads, This has been these fans all week, down 7-0 in the 8th, still standing, still singing, still hoping. What an unforgettable atmosphere. It's a real pity, but I would like to thank everyone. Thank you for your word. And I'd like to thank the fans, too, for coming to the stadium to cheer for us. Although we didn't achieve our goal, we did our best. Team Taiwan will only get better and greater. All teams in Pool A finished with two wins and two losses, meaning tiebreaker rules were activated. Having allowed 31 runs, Taiwan had to wave goodbye to the tournament. Not every pitcher that hits the mound is a strong pitcher, so we have to find a way to improve the ability of most pitchers in Taiwan so that they can become the main driver for our team in future international competitions. Taiwan secured two wins in the qualifier thanks to a good run support. The team's coach says figuring out how to improve pitcher skills will be an important lesson to consider moving forward. Did you know that Taipei Zoo is home to a big family of penguins? The zoo has had several species of the Antarctic bird for more than two decades. And by their side since day one is zookeeper Li Gofeng. He knows each penguin like a family member, including all their quirks, likes, and dislikes. And while he loves them like his own kids, they can also be as feisty as the most stubborn child. Today, Li's giving us a tour of the penguin house. A line of penguins waddles along the pool's edge. Behind them, Li Gufeng, the most senior penguin keeper at Taipei Zoo. Li knows every one of the penguins individually. He has no trouble telling them apart or interpreting their every squeak and gesture. Like this one in the corner, it looks like it's standing, but that's their resting position. It's facing the wall because that way other penguins won't come over and bother it in that spot. It just likes it there. If another penguin takes the spot there, it chases them away. Lee loves chatting about the birds just like a proud father. 
He was here when the Penguin House was founded, and he's been working here for 22 years. When the Penguin House was opened, we were sent here. The zoo sent us to visit Singapore to go into their Penguin House there and learn from them. Lee works at temperatures below 10 degrees every day, looking at the penguins' diets and health, cleaning the enclosure, and sometimes evading assault. Small animals may not always be safe just because they look cute. It's actually easy to get injured. The African penguins love to bite our feet. And the king penguins don't bite, but they like to stab. So when we need to carry out veterinary procedures, and we have to keep them steady, we might get beaten and hit by the penguins. It really hurts. It leaves you black and blue. Lee has to be present whenever the penguins get health checks, because he's the one who can tell each individual apart and knows their personalities. He also has to keep constant tabs on their health. We treat them like our own family. We come and see them every day. When they get sick, we worry about them. We want to improve their living environment, make it cleaner, and we try to make their food better. Despite his expert status, Lee is happy to pose in a cute penguin hat like a tourist. When it comes to his babies, he's a big softie. Now, do you have a problem finding time to get your hair cut? For people who work irregular hours, it can be quite a rush to reach a salon after work. A pair of hairstylists in Taipei's Shilin District have made a name for themselves as stylists for night owls. They noticed that visitors to the night market would love to get their hair done late at night. Since they pushed their hours into the early morning, business has been booming. The hairdresser works shampoo into a lather before giving the customer a head massage. They look relaxed enough to nod off. The stylist cut hair precisely to suit the customer's face. Meanwhile, two designers apply a conditioning treatment to another customer's hair. This small salon is full to bursting with stylists, even though, according to the clock, it's already 11 p.m. I was working here in the hair industry in Shilin before. The night market has always been packed with customers at night, but most of the salons shut at 8 or 9 p.m. I thought there must be demand at night. We started opening at night before the pandemic. At first we opened at 1 p.m., then we pushed it back to 3 p.m. because I wanted to extend our opening hours even more. Young people go to bed pretty late nowadays, but there are absolutely no hair salons open from 9 p.m. to 11 or midnight. Women really like to get their hair washed, especially after they finish work. And actually, they don't mind too much if it isn't the cheapest. The salon spotted a gap in the market for hair washes and cuts late at night, especially for women working in service industries or department stores who are willing to splash the cash. Piggybacking off the local night market culture, they've pushed back their opening hours more and more and grew profits by 30 to 40 percent during the pandemic. I think it's great. I sometimes do overtime late at night, and then I can come here to get my hair cut. It's very convenient and there are fewer people and it's quieter. The experience is nicer. By choosing the opposite strategy to their rivals, the salon has uncovered fresh demand. They're just getting busy as other salons close for the day, welcoming a steady stream of customers throughout the evening. At peak times, there might be four stylists and three assistants working here flat out until 6 a.m. During the pandemic, I have some clients who are company boss types, and they don't like having other clients right beside them. They really don't like that. 
so they would prefer to take a nighttime slot and pay extra. You have to be flexible in this business because, to be honest, it's not that we're such amazingly exceptional hairdressers. So instead of competing with rivals for the daytime market, it's better to go for nighttime when there is little competition. Then I have a niche. The stylists have added about 200,000 NT to their monthly turnover thanks to the decision to enter night mode, as well as securing a niche with a large group of loyal customers.